3: what's going on everybody welcome to the osmote.com awesome nfl strategy show i'm dave lockman with me as they are every wednesday matt gajewski on twitter at matt underscore gajewski and kyle dvorak follow him at kyle tweets here on the twitter machine myself as well at laffy underscore d l-o-u-g-h-y underscore d we're happy to have everyone with us It's a beautiful Wednesday. Actually, it's miserable outside and it's starting to get cold here. (laughs) But we're heading into week eight. We've got a few days to go. Matter of fact, we got Thursday Night Football tomorrow, which Kyle and I will break down in the morning. Uh, That's been a lot of fun. Or I'm sorry, Matt and I will be breaking down in the morning. Uh, It's been a lot of fun doing those shows. And hopefully you guys check them out and all of our other strategy shows throughout the week, including these two guys with the FanDuel strategy show, waiver wire picks, start, sit them, you name it. We got everything. Anyway, enough of me talking. Happy to have you guys with us. Matt, week eight, heading into this one. It's stacked at the top of running back, wide receiver. And our early run of ownership projections, we'll dive into it all, is showing one quarterback with a lot of ownership. It's just weird because who the hell are you going to stack him with?
1: Yeah, so the quarterback that we are talking about is the one and only Derek Carr. And we know ownership changes throughout the week, but that's, I think, the main problem with Derek Carr. Outside of Darren Waller, you're taking some shots on guys like, it's gross, Nelson Aguilar, who comes up with a nine-target game, or Henry Ruggs, who has been mostly a full-time player. He's about 75% of the routes, a little bit less, but only a couple targets, and they're all just downfield. He's basically just running wind sprint, go routes, and John Gruden doesn't seem to be able to get the ball in his hands underneath and manufacture touches. So I'm not sure if this ownership sticks, but right now, If it stands, Derek Carr looks like the most owned QB.
3: Well, that's one place to start, Kyle. Derek Carr potentially being the highest owned quarterback. Ben and I mentioned on yesterday's First Look show that there was, you know, we both had some interest in him. But I didn't think it was going to be this high. Now, ownership is going to be in flux for sure. Things are going to change. But I'll backpedal for a second. Ask you how you're doing and how your week seven went.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a bad week. I had some good. Uh, the Seattle showdown slate specifically was just a, a smash play. So I had a good good play there. Uh, outside of that, it was a pretty quiet week. Doing well, just uh, grinding through this upcoming week. And yeah, I'm not sure if Derek Carr sticks, but I think we'll talk about this later. We have a ton of chalk running backs that are all expensive. So in terms of how you build your lineup, it is going to be difficult to get up to, you know, your Rodgers, your Mahomes, whatever, because all the running backs people are going to want to play are all expensive. Derek Carr, although 17.5, I guess if we're betting, I'd bet the under there. I still think he is, without a doubt, like a top five to top three even owned quarterback maybe not the number one because I do think he's a guy that people think of as a low ceiling style play. He's more of a, a above average game manager. I'm probably fine with fading him like for those same reasons, but I do think, uh, it does, it does make some sense. It's, it's a fine spot. I just think, uh, I'm I'm probably going to be fading the the highest owned quarterback on a lot of slates. Derek Carr on the road against Cleveland, probably one of them.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we discussed right before the show started and and I don't know how much uh, impact this is going to have Matt, but it does feel like, at least now, that the ownership the ownership on certain cheaper quarterbacks might be the result of running backs at the top. I mean, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, uh, Derek Henry, and then Dalvin Cook we have very low, but I'm not sure we haven't projected correctly yet. So I, my guess is he's going to be pretty popular. Uh, and then I wouldn't be surprised if guys like Aaron Jones in that same game are also very popular a lot of very good receivers uh and then you pointed out tight ends it certainly looks like people are going to be paying up there it may just naturally funnel them to go cheaper at quarterback which i think is really right now the theme of this week yeah i think so too there's a couple things we
1: need to wait for of course i think the status of joe mixon he's more in flux, I'd say, than a guy like Aaron Jones. It seems like we'll get him back. But if Joe Mixon misses again, I think we could see potential value Giovanni Bernard again. And he's not quite the value he was last week. But you mentioned all of the pricing adjusting. We do have some very, very expensive players. I think people would be more willing to go to Giovanni Bernard than they would to someone like Derek Carr. And we'll see how this shakes out throughout the week. Again, we need to wait on the status of Mixon.
3: We got to wait on a lot for sure. But Kyle, and we're going to jump into the chalk right now. Want to set this up a little bit so everyone knows where we stand. The, the one thing that's a lot different this week than last week is all of the, the running backs that were valued last week have been preemptively priced up this week in the event that the natural starters are out. Um, we could see an, a scenario where, similar to Aaron Jones, the injury popped up later in the week. And then Jamal Williams was already cheap, similarly with Joe Mixon. But you don't see that every week. And if that happens to be the case, we're not going to find a ton of value at running back, whereas last week we had a lot to choose from.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be difficult to find value running back. I think the way we should do it this week, if you're looking to find value, and it will help you get different because I think there are going to be, based on our ownership projections, a lot of people just jamming in all of these good running back plays, but they will be spending a lot of salary on it, is instead of like... We won't have, you know, Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams super cheap, but there are guys who have the potential upside of having a ton of value. Like, let's take, you know, Jerick McKinnon, for example, gets gets rested last week. Are you freaking kidding me, Kyle Shanahan? Just tell us you're resting it. Come on. I know you don't care about fantasy, but I care about fantasy. But a guy like Jerick McKinnon could come out and be like a 1A in the running game and clearly like the, the number one pass catching back out of the backfield for San Francisco in a great spot versus Seattle. So it's maybe taking more speculative shots. I think like Daryl Henderson is kind of another example of short. Sure, maybe he doesn't have a ton of passing game role, but his team is a favorite. His team loves to run the football and a neutral situation, neutral game scripts. They actually play fairly fast, like a top 10 pace. So it's more of taking these ambiguous shots with upside to come in and score similarly to a Kareem Hunt probably need to take a lot of shots or, or really nail your picks to get those guys, but they have upside that parallels someone like a, a mediocre Derrick Henry game or a Kareem Hunt game where he only scores once, so it's going to be difficult to find the value this week. It won't present itself quite as clearly, but that doesn't mean there won't be value. We just won't know in advance, so I'm probably going to be paying down, not all the time, but probably in at least one or two of my running back spots in every lineup.
3: Okay. I'm not going to lie. I was pretty stoked about McKinnon not getting that work and it all going to Jeff Wilson, but it's uh, specifically for the afternoon slate. Clearly didn't get to him on the main slate. Uh, Sometimes you got to get lucky. Unfortunately there, I did to make up for everything that happened on the main slate. Uh, Anyway, Matt, we take a look at running backs, then wide receiver tight ends. We'll get to our pivots following that. Uh, And then we save the quarterback position for last. When we talk about stacks, because um, there's obviously a correlation there. No need to talk about highest owned quarterbacks now, when we're going to do it towards the end of the show. So stick around for that. We go methodically in order. We knock everything out here midweek to get you ready, to start building your own lineups, to start making your groups on Cruncher, and we're going to do the same. So hit that thumbs up. And if you guys haven't subscribed, uh, hit that subscribe button. You know it's totally free. Charges you nothing. We'll gladly refund your misery if you hate it. Just click unsubscribe and you never have to deal with us again. I don't think you'll want to. But you know what? Hit that subscribe. Uh, it helps us reach more people so we can keep putting out free content. And if you want to be notified when our shows drop, just hit that notification bell. And I think you can customize it for certain things. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty certain you can. All right, Matt. Uh, at the top of the running back position this week, you have, in, in order, uh, Kareem Hunt projected around 31%. You have Alvin Kamara around 24.5%. Derek Henry around 22%. Uh, and then, I'm adding Dalvin Cook towards the top. And the reason I'm doing this is, is twofold. One, um, it's still very early in the week, and sometimes our ownership projections can be a little bit wonky uh, for a guy that missed last week. And he, I believe they said he's 99.9% sure he's going to play this, this coming week. But you also, too, have a divisional matchup where Green Bay's clear weakness has been in the, in the running game and it just feels like this is a spot where Dalvin Cook could go insane. So I'm take making the executive decision. I'm throwing Dalvin Cook up there. I do think he's going to be more popular. If you disagree, I'm happy to hear it. But how are you breaking down early chalk here at the running back position?
1: No, I actually agree with you. I, I think it's just people aren't sure if Dalvin's playing, but I think we will get that news probably today. I'm assuming he's going to practice, but he's been averaging 21.2 touches per game. If you just look at his last three games where he's fully healthy, 25, 29, and 22 touches, and you know what that 22-touch game is not, that's the one he got hurt in. And if you remember, Alexander Madison almost approached 20 touches as well in that game. We know exactly what Minnesota wants to do. They want to run the ball. So even if Green Bay takes an early lead in this game, Minnesota is going to get the rush attempts to Dalvin Cook. He's active in the pass game. Five targets in his most recent game. At 7,500, it's some really cheap bell cow value considering the other bell cows like Kamara, 8,200, Derrick Henry, 8K. And those guys are great plays. They project for similar touches, but you just get that slight discount with Cook, which could go a long way to maybe not having to play someone like Derek Carr.
3: Last week, Kyle, we saw amazingly Alvin Kamara at 50% ownership in the Millionaire Maker. That is an insane number on a 12 game slate. He's still projected for ownership here. He is the highest priced player at the position, but there's no denying how much talent and in favorable spots there are uh, running backs above that. You know, Kareem Hunt at 6,900 and up range for week eight.
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. It's really interesting. We have two sort of opposite backs drawing a lot of ownership in Alvin Kamara versus Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry may be the best, if you want to argue this, the best pure rusher between the tackles at breaking long runs in the NFL. Alvin Kamara, probably the best receiver in the NFL, and given that their ownerships are similar, their prices are similar, Like, I'm just going to keep going back for punishment and playing players over Derrick Henry, because I know that I get so much value as a receiver from Alvin Kamara. I mean, right now, and this, uh, this assumes Michael Thomas is out, I don't think he's been ruled out yet, but last week they said it could be potentially a multi-week injury once again, so... If he's out, I mean, we have seen Alvin Kamara. He's right now on pace to set the NFL record for running back receptions and running back receiving yards. He would finish second with eight touchdowns all time as a running back with uh, receiving touchdowns as well. He is like Christian McCaffrey plus as a receiver right now and probably isn't that far off as a runner as well. Not quite that same role, but it's not that far off and the receiving more than makes up for it. I just think the upside, you get like double bonus upside with him, multi-touchdown upside, and you just don't get that with Derrick Henry, and he's going to jam it in my face again. Like, I know that. I've accepted that. I've made peace with that. But anytime I can get a three down back versus Derrick Henry, I will just take that three down back, holding constant that the ownership is, you know, plus or minus about the same thing and the same thing with the price. So Alvin Kamara is my favorite of the most expensive backs to pay up with, but I do like what, uh, like what we said about Dalvin Cook. I don't think he comes up to the same ownership as these guys. He's cheaper. His role is great. So I think Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara. I, man, I'm just a sucker for guys who catch passes. Maybe it's me, but uh, you know that PPR value when I can fade Derrick Henry, who he could just go out and get stuffed behind the line of scrimmage for an entire game. We almost saw that versus Houston. Ah, oh, we were so close. And uh, I'm gonna go with the pass catching backs. It's always almost always the script. If, if Derrick Henry were to come in at 10 ownership absolutely i understand he has a ton of upside and that's where i play him but his floor is not the same floor as alvin kamara and i'm always going to take like just take the short end of of playing a low hair low floor derrick henry
3: i don't think anyone's going to disagree with you there i i also don't disagree if if people look to get towards derrick henry here i think i think his ownership comes down maybe i'm wrong uh, I actually think we see it decline a little bit, but he's averaging almost 27 looks per game. Almost all of them are coming in the run game. Uh, so again, no real disagreements there when it comes to Alvin Kamara, but I, I actually don't mind throwing Dalvin Cook in that same in that same conversation. You know, his touch counts have been through the roof. I know weeks one and week two were strange. They were playing from behind for large stretches, really the entirety of that game. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. This game, I think, probably uh, stays a little closer than that last one in week one. It doesn't need to stay super close, but the matchup's just so great. And then, Matt, Kareem Hunt, right now we're projecting him for the highest ownership on the slate. It, it does kind of force you to at least consider saying, you know what? He's similarly projected an ownership to, De- uh, to, to Derrick Henry, and there's a very good chance that he sees very similar amount of touches at $1,100 discount uh, in a good matchup. And he can catch a lot of passes too.
1: Yeah. I, I think you said it all. I think a lot of people will try roster construction. That's either Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara and then Kareem hunt. And we do see that he's, he's coming in slightly more owned than those backs. And it's because he has similar touch counts. If you look to the last three games, 23, 15, 21, long pedigree of usage as a receiver, I don't think he has quite the same upside as those two backs, but I think it's certainly close and that deserves consideration in this range Vegas. I mean, they're allowing 4.6 yards per rush attempt. That's bottom 10 in the NFL.
3: Yeah. I want to go. I want to stay on Kamara for one second, Matt. When it comes to the bears, they went into to week. They went into that matchup in week seven against the Rams at five and one, the Rams were four and two. They had only beaten NFC East teams, all four of them to be exact. Uh, they came in there and they spanked Chicago. Nick Foles looked bad and the, the Bears couldn't really defend the play action. They also, however, gave up 161 rushing yards. They haven't faced a ton of great running backs yet, but they have allowed a hundred plus rushing yards in all but one game, which was the New York Giants. That should tell you all you need to know. Um should we be looking at this matchup with Chicago as actually a, a relatively favorable or neutral matchup, or do you look at the bears still as one of the better defenses in the league on the ground?
1: Yeah. So they're allowing a lot of raw yardage, but if you break it down by attempt, they're 29th. So they're only allowing 3.9 yards per rush attempt. But the thing is Chicago for being five and two, they actually have a negative point differential. So they're trailing a lot in games despite their win- Yeah, despite their win loss record. So I think a lot of that is the function of game script teams are just able to get ahead on Chicago and it's somehow Chicago. Hey guys, it is
0: Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law.
1: See terms and conditions 18 plus. I was able to pull out some of these weird, crazy victories. So I think it's more of the game script factor here. And with Alvin Kamara, I don't think you're really worried about the rush attempts as much anyway. He's a guy that you want more in space, which kind of makes him, I think, independent to everything but maybe
3: the best of the best run defenses. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Bears had an average margin of victory of four points uh, going into to Monday's game. So I'm not super shocked to hear that, but it is pretty wild. Uh, your thoughts on Kareem Hunt, Kyle, 30.8% projected ownership. My guess is at 6,900, he continues that trend throughout the week and, and is one of the, for sure, chalkiest running backs on Sunday.
2: Yeah, just one more note on Chicago. Their first two games were both like multi touchdown, I think fourth quarters against what, like Detroit and Atlanta, or at least in their first three games. Like, those were games where they, like, their opponents held the entirety of the positive game script up until the last minute. So, just to give you some reference on like, how sneaky bad or how like fake good Chicago is Kareem Hunt yeah he's gonna get the bulk of the carries between the tackles get a lot of targets and his price is really what is so exciting because he's not the same like he can see in the same ballpark of the work as Dalton Cook he's cheap he won't see as many carries as Derrick Henry few players if any do but he will make up for it in targets of the chalkbacks I guess like Derek Henry probably shuffles to the bottom because he has low, like low pass catching upside. Even though he can just, you know, jam it in my face with two touchdowns and 150 yards, I do think for Cream Hunt it is interesting. We're seeing Cream Hunt highest owned running back, Darren Waller one of the highest owned tight ends, Josh Jacobs getting some popularity as one of the more popular running backs. It would be interesting to fade. Like if you're playing him, it's difficult to do like a mini game stack. I do like the the running back versus. Wide receiver specifically because it does play off the game script well. But if you're doing that, you're probably looking to do it with Darren Waller because we don't know what's going on with their receivers. Like I'm probably not playing Nelson Agholor and anything other than like a Derek Carr stack. So I think the interesting approach would be potentially to short this game or at least short the Raiders side of this game. Play Browns defense. I mean, Derek Carr is traveling. He's good, but he's not great. He faces a defense that's top ten in sacks, number one in turnovers. So I think if you're playing Kareem Hunt. The focus should be on being unique with Kareem Hunt. I think one way to do that that is with the Browns and then fade the Raiders side because I want to play Kareem Hunt. He's a, he's like one of our best, if not our best values. He has a ton of work both as a rusher and a receiver. His team is second in run percentage in the entire NFL. And they're projected to win this game. So everything sets up for Kareem Hunt to be a good play. I think the focus should not be necessarily on outright fading him. It's how do you get unique by playing Kareem Hunt. You could even like, you could even potentially throw out like a, a double, a double Brown stack without playing, without playing Baker Mayfield, because like, you know, Rashard Higgins or Harrison Bryant, maybe Harrison Bryant would be the perfect example. Super cheap. As long as Austin Hooper is out, will be the starting tight end, should get a handful of targets, could see work in the red zone. Make an interesting, different approach to this game if you just play Browns, like two Browns, whether it's Browns defense and Kareem Hunt or another receiver and Kareem Hunt, and just say that the Browns, like, roll the Raiders. So I would focus on, instead of fading Kareem Hunt outright, getting different with him.
3: Okay, I like the thought process. Kareem Hunt was on the field for 90% of the snaps, Uh, offensive snaps for the Browns last week. There's just no reason not to love him here. That is a spot where the ownership, to me at least, is very much understood Matt, I don't want to go too deep down here uh, because we already worked through the 20-plus uh, percent owned guys, but Josh Jacobs is at 18%. You can check these projections out at Uh Go to AwesomeMode.com slash join if you want to look at any of that and use the promo code PUMPKIN. It'll get you an Awesomeo Plus Platinum NFL Weekly for $10.31. It's almost $20 off the original. You get all of our NFL content, ownership, projections, top stack tool, All of the incredible showdown content. We have a ton of it. Uh, Showdown ownership projections, top stacks. Just go check it out for yourself. Uh, And all of the articles that these guys put so much time into. The lineup builder, there's more that I'm missing, but there's a fantasy cruncher add-on as well. It's good through Halloween. So if you haven't checked it out yet, you want to. Maybe you were hesitant, waiting for the right moment. This is the right moment right here. Use the promo code Pumpkin, $10.31 for the week. All of these tools too. Uh, They're built by Alex Baker, by the number one ranked player in the world for a reason. He uses them. We get to use them to become better players. I'm just going to throw this out. I don't want to be that guy. But we had two Osimo avatars at the top of the Millie Maker yesterday or on Sunday. So, you know, good things happen. Come over to Osimo. Not saying week eight, everyone's going to win, split the Millie Maker with Osimo tools. But we've certainly seen a lot of success for substantive That have come around and and used the tools and learned how to play in a in a a different way. So we'd love to have you join our premium Slack chat as well. When you do, and if you just want a minimum package for three dollars and ninety five cents a week, we have the Express Packs uh, package. It's all of our showdown content, all of our showdown tools, and um, other stuff for the main slate. You know, player rankings, uh, top stack, light, basically. Uh, a lot of stuff for less than $4, a cup of coffee, basically uh, an expensive cup of coffee, but super cheap subscription that has an amazing amount of great stuff. We've beefed it up. So go to com slash joint and check all of that out. It's a roundabout way, Matt, of me asking you, what do you think of Josh Jacobs?
1: Yeah, I like Josh Jacobs. He's similar to Derrick Henry, and I'm not as focused about the pass catching as Kyle because these guys see touches regardless, and they see high leverage touches in the end zone, So when a guy like Josh Jacobs is getting 23.2 touches per game and his ownership's down, that's what I'm focused on is mainly the ownership number. We have him here at 18%, which we've seen him as high as 30% in some spots. He gets Cleveland. The spread is close. It's within three. So I am interested in him in this spot. I I think he'll be semi-game script dependent, but again, 23.2 touches per game, and he has seen some involvement in the past game. Target counts of four, four, three, and four in his four
3: most recent games. So the touch counts in a potentially favorable game script, Kyle, uh, could amount to 20-plus easily from Josh Jacobs. But you just talked about potentially fading the the or shorting, as you put it, the Raiders. Do you feel the same way for Jacobs, or are you more so referring to the passing game with Derek Carr?
2: I, I think it probably extends to all of these guys, mostly because this is a slate where I think there is a lot, at least right now, and, of course— Ownership will certainly change. Like I said, I think Derek Carr comes down a little bit. I would focus more on the passing game specifically, but I do think like, I can know, like there is only so much chalk I can eat. I don't think Josh Jacobs makes the cut because his passing game is good, but it's not great. Like it's definitely better than Derek Henry's, but it's not like the six target game we saw in week one. I do think if they end up like they're, On the road against a really good Cleveland team, if they end up being under, like if they end up being pretty significant underdogs as the game goes on, we probably could see Josh Jacobs phased out as a runner because you don't really have much of a choice if you're losing. So I just like to look for ways that the chalk can fail. Like Alvin Kamara is a very difficult pitch to sell me on ways he can fail. Guys like Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, who, if their team goes down, which of course, like especially with Derrick Henry, They're not supposed to go down, but they're on the road. And, you know, Cincinnati played well against against the Browns. Like anything can happen, essentially, like anything can happen in the NFL if anything can happen. And Josh Jacobs benefits or, I guess, gets hurt by certain things happening, whereas Alvin Kamar doesn't. I think those are good spots where the projection is particularly fragile for guys like Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs. I'm looking to potentially just find places where the chalk can bust. I'm not sure Alvin Kamara can really bust outside of just being like not a good enough value to be the best play on the slate. Whereas like Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs absolutely do have paths to busting. So that's why I look to fade these guys, not because they're not good plays just because I think in the range of outcomes, they are more likely to bust than three down backs.
3: We'll get into a whole lot more throughout the week. We've got the four hour marathon show on, on Sunday and, and strategy shows every day of the week, we'll get more into guys like Gaskin and, Ta- and Taylor and, and Clyde Edwards, Alaire and, I, mean, I won't even mention David Montgomery at this point. What a disaster <laughs> he's been. But we, we make the transition now, Matt, to the wide receiver position because Keenan Allen's up there. The price tag is just so low. Even, even with Justin Herbert throwing touchdown passes to a, a number of creative players and handing one off to one as well, uh, Keenan Allen still came out with a pretty solid game. He's going to get ownership. For some reason, he continues to be dirt cheap, Tyler Lockett's up there, and then Devontae Adams, who you know had a forty-seven percent target share the other day, thirty-two or thirty-three percent on the season. If you remove that one game where he only had three targets, his target share is like forty-plus percent. So, uh, you know, these guys, rightfully so, are pretty popular. Tyree Kill's up there. A.J. Green is even up there. The only one is mega chalk right now is Keenan Allen. So let's kick it off with him.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense. I think it's literally just a pricing versus roll thing, and it's an error. At 6,200, he should be like an 8K player. In his healthy games, he has target counts of 10, 19, 12, and 13. Even with his injured game, he has a target share of 30.5%. It's just an egregious pricing error for Keenan Allen. There's ways to move around it, though, in tournaments. I'm okay getting to guys like you know Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. If you're playing the leverage, Hunter Henry, as we'll get to, is a little bit owned himself. It's just an interesting spot to see. And, you know, Justin Herbert doesn't exactly have the highest ownership here, too. So maybe this is a game we try to just stack if you're playing Keenan Allen and get different in other spots.
3: Okay, how about you, Kyle? Top of the position, like I said, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett, um, Devontae Adams. There's no serious chalk right now, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, Keenan Allen, just to double down, is averaging in the games where he finishes, which he didn't really play much of, I believe, it was the New Orleans game, is averaging over 13 freaking targets per game. 13 targets per game. If he did that on a full 16-game season, it would set the NFL record for targets, which dates back to, like, 92, I think, since we've been tracking targets. He is the alpha of all alpha receivers, and, and like Matt said, like, 8K would be an appropriate price. Like, he's not too dissimilar from a guy like Devontae Adams, like Michael Thomas, so... His chalk, I'm I'm undecided. I think there are good leverage plays in tournaments. So, like Matt said, I, I think either the way to approach him is to play Justin Herbert with him. Maybe that's how you get different. And then you obviously are probably double stacking it. So, that'll get you a unique build despite having Keenan Allen chalk. Also, like Mike Williams, although didn't see a ton of, I think he saw like three targets last week, and Hunter Henry are both solid enough leverage plays. They get enough volume that they could eat into Keenan Allen's role, especially if they score like multiple touchdowns. So, I'm not exactly sure what I want to do with Keenan Allen yet. I still think I want to play him. That price is just too low. Tyler Lockett at 7,100 absolutely blew up. It was like 15 for 200. And was it like an, another three score game or whatever? But DK Metcalf I is still game
3: of the season. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. My God. I mean, He's incredible. He's truly incredible. But so is DK Metcalf. I mean, that that uh, tackle on, I think, is Buddha Baker. It's just unfreaking real. But what I'm looking at more importantly is not tackles for DK Metcalf, but it's that he still has almost 180 more air yards on the year than Tyler Lockett. I'm not saying he is a better play than Tyler Lockett, because I believe he's still more expensive, surprisingly, after after that game, but i think if you're going to get the ball deeper down the field close to as often at least like in terms of air yards more often than tyler lockett you make for a good leverage play i think tyler lockett is a great points per dollar play like he's totally chalk is warranted but anytime we can leverage that recency bias with dk metcalf having a quiet game despite still seeing more air yards on the season by a pretty significant margin i think he makes for an interesting leverage point i'll throw this back to you what do we make of tyree kill at this point just like he's like not uh not really doing much last week they basically got to bench their starters for almost the entirety of the second half and there were ever a game if there were ever a game for the team to get to bench their starters again it would be at home against the lowly jets like what do we make of tyree Hill? is he just like a role player at this point
3: oh that's that's uh, <laughs> a, a role player is tough uh, what's his what's his target share his target share has been like like fairly
2: 20%. low this season uh just in terms of his opportunity the air yard share though is still like sure it's still pretty good
3: there's no question but you know there's okay i i this might bother some people but that's okay it should <laughs> i think there's a lot of other receivers that have a pretty high air yard share as well. They, they might not be as fast as Tyree Hill. They might not be as good as him. Uh, but if you're getting them at a bigger discount with similar target share, it, it, it might be worthwhile. The, the big question here is like, do you need, and, and again, I hate trying to go out here and project project or predict the game script, but as 20 point favorites, I feel somewhat confident in doing so. Uh, do we need Tyreek Hill to basically do this in the first two quarters? Because I, I don't know how – I don't know if Andy Reid's going to keep his foot on the gas late in the game. I'll actually ask you, Matt, since Kyle broke it down nicely and kind of set the table for us, what do you do with Tyreek Hill knowing that he can have those absolutely monster games, but he doesn't have a 100-yard game on the season, uh, and he doesn't have a sing- – he only has one game with north of five receptions uh, and only two with north of, of – of double or double digit targets he's had some good ones but we haven't seen that monster game could it be this week against new york
1: yeah it could be any week i'm just playing tyreek when he's low owned in Mahomes stacks we already okay. know what he can do so it's not a matter of like is he has he gotten the targets his target share has been fairly fragile throughout his career it's the big plays are there when he's low owned. you play tyreek hill okay
3: that's succinct to the point sounds good to me um The ownership this week is coming in, I I think, 15%, which a lot of that has to do with the matchup and the price point. Uh, Matt, what about someone like A.J. Green, who 4,500, it it appears all season that Joe Burrow has wanted to get the football to A.J. Green. Uh, And then they had a serious lull there between weeks like three and five. Uh, And now the previous two weeks, he's seen 24 targets. He's hauled in 15 of those for 178 yards, hasn't found the end zone yet. But, you know, if you take weeks one and two where he had 22 combined targets, only eight receptions, and the last two weeks where he has 24 combined, and considering Joe Burrow's passing volume, it's still sketchy at his ownership, but it does appear that maybe A.J. Green and Joe Burrow's chemistry is beginning to gel a little bit. Yeah, I think
1: he, like you mentioned at the top of the show, there's plays where we need to just reduce the salary and take some punts. I wouldn't call AJ green a punt specifically, but he's one of these cheap players at 4,500. That's going to allow you to roster a Derek Henry and Alvin Kamara. And maybe a couple of them He has a 20.3% target share on the year. And most recently that 11 and 13 target game, you know, this Bengals receiving core
0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Who's receiving the targets on a week to week basis. Like we've seen T Higgins with big games. He had five targets last week. That has not been consistent throughout the year. Three weeks ago, Tyler Boyd had a six target game. So it's been very fluid. There's no specific alpha Tyler Boyd, 21% target share, AJ Green, 20 and T Higgins is at 15. That's depressed a little bit because his role has grown throughout the year. So I think on a week-to-week basis, there's a lot of merit in fading whoever the most-owned receiver in the Cincinnati room is. Right now it's A.J. Green. But get, again, it's a balance between where are you finding value on the slate.
3: Kyle, Joe Burrow leads the league in dropbacks, he leads the league in attempts, and he leads the league in completions. So while his touchdowns have been sporadic and he had a few games there with 300-plus yards and no scores, Tennessee's the type of team that can score. Cincinnati's defense is the type of defense that is going to allow them to score. It does feel like you could see an instance again, where it shapes up that Joe Burrow is attempting 40 plus passes. I'd like your opinion on this spot with, with with Seattle's receivers and feel free to throw AJ Brown, or I'm sorry, Cincinnati's receivers and feel free to throw AJ Brown into this conversation as well. Cause this could be a, a pivotal point on the slate between these two teams.
2: Yeah, I think this is, especially if you play, like, specifically a a Joe Burrow stack and run it back with A.J. Brown, you do get some leverage off the Derrick Henry ownership, which is just, like, I'll just put that in my Twitter bio, like, just looking for ways to get leverage off Derrick Henry. I don't know. Because... These receivers like AJ Green, incredibly cheap, 4,500. His chalk, like he'll be fairly chalky, but 13.9% isn't egregious. He lets you do a lot of things at other positions because he's so cheap. And you do get a ton of pass attempts for like very low price in terms of AJ Green being 4.5. T Higgins more expensive at 5.6, but in the context of having like 8,800 Michael Thomas, that's not that much. I do think Tyler Boyd being the lowest owned of the three would probably make him a priority in my stacks of this team because like, we've seen he has like double digit target upside over a hundred yard game upside and he's going to be the lowest owned. He's not going to be super unpopular, but I wouldn't make it a priority to if I'm playing, if I'm playing these guys probably focus on Tyler Boyd and then one of the other two more popular plays. And yeah, it's an incredible spot. Both of these defenses are terrible. Both of the offense can put up a ton of points and I do think it gives you leverage off Derrick Henry. If you play the passing game specifically, yeah, Joe Burrow, I think averaging 42 attempts per game is just absolutely insane and he's not bad either it's not like when Andy oh. Dalton goes out and throws 50 like 50 attempts like I'm like he might go for 150 yards on 50 attempts Joe Burrow quite good goes aggressively downfield so I like I like everything in this game specifically other than Derek Henry who not that I dislike him is literally just like exactly like Matt said with Tyreek Hill when he's low owned you absolutely play the guy because he's monstrous when he's high owned there are merits to fading him and AJ Brown on the other side is just quite the obvious runback option dude is uh just like an alpha
3: It's kind of crazy when you look at uh, target shares on this team, too, because Joe Burrow has thrown so much that A.J. Green has a 20% target share, but he's got to be, like, top 15 in the league in targets, which usually... How often do you see something like that, where he... he, what's Let me see where he is in targets. So A.J. Green is... He's 12th in the league in targets. Tyler Boyd is... Uh, ninth in the league in targets. And these guys both have target shares of 20%, Matt. That just tells you the, like, that's why you have to put things in context. There's so much passing volume that they don't need a Devontae Adams uh, level target share, because if you're throwing, as as Kyle said, 40 plus times a game, you're going to get yours.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's part of the reason their prices remain low. And we talked about this with Dallas in the beginning of the year, their prices were low as well and their target shares aren't exactly that high, but we've, we've compared like Michael Gallup to, to Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown had like a 27% target share and Michael Gallup was like 14% and Michael Gallup still had raw targets. It's a similar situation here with Cincinnati where their raw target shares might not be immense, but we're still seeing a guy's receiving a lot of raw targets because of the pace and the pass volume that Cincinnati is churning out on a week to week basis. So,
3: Matt, if you look at the rest of of wide receiver, nothing stands out as as really super chalky. Devontae Adams, huge target share. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of different ways to go here. So let's actually take a look at tight end. Usually, we don't spend a lot of time here, and we don't think we have to today. But as far as rounding out the chalk at these three positions... It does appear that you're going to have a lot of exposure, a lot of ownership going towards uh, Darren Waller at 5600, Travis Kelsey at uh, 6600, George Kittle uh, at 7K, and then it kind of falls off a cliff because this position's been pretty ugly. But I will point out, Harrison Bryant was in the millie maker winning team, David Njoku, Njoku was in the, the second place team, Darren Fells was in the third place team with a zero. So <laughs> don't think that. Bad tight ends, even lower scoring tight ends, can't put you at the top of a tournament. Want to preface it with that when we get into uh, these top tier guys. It's always a major question at the tight end position. I think being
1: in this mid-tier range is the worst place you could possibly fall. You end up not having the upside of the Wallers, the Kelseys, the Kittles. And then you don't save the salary that you do with guys like uh, this week. Maybe it's Irv Smith or Harrison Bryant's your guy. I don't love Harrison Bryant, but he's very cheap so he fits the bill and I, that's a major question on a week-to-week basis i think we have a lot of options among the expensive tight ends this week but again where are we finding our salary relief like i can't play Devonte adams keenan allen darren waller like lamar jackson kareem hunt and all these guys are the highest phone plays. so i'm just curious where the value is coming from like which value guy are we playing
3: yeah it's a good question kyle and well, let, I don't. I don't want to go there. I don't want to get ahead of the sk- our skis here because we're going to talk about pivots. But what are you doing with with these highest priced guys who are clearly uh, very popular for Week Eight?
2: Yeah, this is a, a very different week than we've had in weeks past. Probably because tight ends actually like, like roughly you you could say good on this. slate. Like, you know, Travis Kelsey maybe not in the best spot because the Jets defense is bad but they're also so incredibly bad on offense that it's not uh you know not great run backs you could get benched in the second half but his touchdown upside I actually think makes him I don't know I probably prefer Travis Kelsey to Darren Waller he's going to be slightly less popular I think overall he has more upside I do think uh you know I'm probably just going to be lower than the public on this Las Vegas team moving down I don't know I think like maybe some interest in Mark Andrews just because he falls in the same exact range. He falls right between Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey and is projecting for less than 2% ownership. Like I get Lamar Jackson is certainly not been the quarterback we saw last year, both. I think somewhat mechanically he's like missed some throws that I think he should have hit, but also just like obvious regression. Like he wasn't going to throw a touchdown, like one of almost every 10 attempts or whatever. But if you're going to get Mark Andrews at, you know, like, like a 20th or like a 15th of the ownership of Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, Definitely doesn't save you salary. You have to find salary elsewhere. Interesting pivot. I think Travis Kelsey versus Darren Waller, both are good plays. Darren Waller is like number one in targets and target share. It's just that I think like a crazy high owned tight end, I could probably squeak out some more value. I don't hate Harrison Bryant. Matt doesn't love Harrison Bryant. I don't love him. He's all right. He's only 3,200. And I agree. I feel very much the same way where I'm either looking to pay up for the high ceiling of a double touchdown Travis Kelsey game or whoever you want to name for that spot. Or go low because we have seen Robert Tanya in week one was, I think, uh, a zero and ended up winning the slant. Adam Troutman won a bunch of people money because he scored zero points but was cheap and no one else played well. And I realized that uh, Darren Bells apparently was uh, the key to building the optimal construction despite getting a zero as well. So time and time again, we see these ultra cheap tight ends like just do enough or literally do nothing and that be enough because tight end has been pretty scuffed this season and you know 3,200 for a tight end isn't bad. Harrison Bryant probably doesn't score two touchdowns again the rest of this year, but he played on over 75% of the team snaps. He got a handful of targets. Now they're without Odo Beckham as well. Could funnel an extra target or two his way and it's a decent spot. Like, you know, it's, it's got a high total this game. I think it's 53 and a half right now. So I don't love Harrison Bryant, but I love the salary he saves me because there aren't a ton of savers. So I think out of all the like, plus 5% owned guys. I actually think Harrison Bryant is one of my favorites just because he's cheap. That's all I want is cheap.
3: Okay. Well, let's talk about some pivots, fellas. Uh, Guys, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And if you join late, hit the subscribe button. Uh, Hit that subscribe. And if you want to get alerted, hit the notification bell as well. So we've got some interesting lower owned spots right now. I mentioned earlier, I still think Dalvin Cook's ownership Skyrockets once we get, assuming we get some news, uh, whether or not he's going to play. Uh, from everything I've seen, it looks like Dalvin Cook is more likely to play than not. Uh, and if he does play, I don't think he'll be if he's if he's one percent owned, he'll be my highest owned player, which is absurd. Uh, maybe not the highest owned player because you don't even need to get that much above the field. But if he's one percent owned, you're going to want a ton of him. My guess is he comes in in the double digits. However, Matt. There are a few other interesting options here. There aren't a ton of great low on pivots. The one that stands out to me, and then we'll get yours, is Aaron Jones. Uh, If he comes in at single-digit ownership and he's active, of course, that to me is going to open up a lot. I know some people have some concerns about potentially splitting the workload with um, with Jamal Williams. But at the same time, I'm not as concerned for one really simple reason jones has three touchdown upside we've seen him do it many times the guy can get into the end zone and he's a viable pass catching back against a bad minnesota defense if he comes in at single digits uh, this will be somebody in that high range that i still have interest in even though he's surrounded by a lot of other good running backs the truth is he can give you very similar production same volume as those guys but um any other any other lesser owned guys that you like right now Yeah,
1: I like Aaron Jones. I think some of the criticism for a timeshare isn't warranted. There's just some some teams we see in the NFL that run enough plays where they'll have one or two running backs that are viable. And the Packers, it's not because they're running a lot of run plays, but because Aaron Jones is so active as a pass catcher, it allows him to still average over 20 touches per game. So with that context, I think Aaron Jones is certainly viable at 7,300. I still think the Giovanni Bernard news is going to be pivotal to this range. Like we talked about, trying to find value and trying to go to time backs in one, a one B situations. We, we mentioned like Jarek McKinnon and Daryl Henderson, like Giovanni Bernard is just flat out a better play than them. If Joe Mixon is out, we have Joe Mixon right now projected for nearly 11% ownership. And that's assuming he plays. I think it's very questionable that he plays their buy is yeah. next week. And there were already Rappaport Sheffield reports hinting that Mixon might sit out through the buy. So if we get a cheaper Giovanni Bernard at 5,800, literally in the same range as Jarek McKinnon as you know daryl henderson i'm not sure what his ownership will come in as but i think he's probably the key running back that is the value on the slate like 5800 we're already trying to search for someone in that range miles gaskin is 15 owned right now if the, if the slate were to start today so he'd be the guy i look to you said jarek mckinnon excuse me giovanni bernard
3: oh no no you might have said bernard and i just missed it so i just wanted to make sure yeah, okay, giovanni yeah. Bernard. what about you kyle I'm talking about some pivots
2: Yeah, so I think there are uh, a few interesting – like that Aaron Jones one. I I just want to double down on that. They're nearly touchdown favorites. They have like a 30 implied team total, and it gives you incredible leverage off of Devontae Adams. If Aaron Jones does punch in three touchdowns, that's almost certainly like means at most one touchdown. For and we've Adams, seen him so. do
3: it more than once.
2: Yeah, no, you are. You are perfectly on the ball with that. I think you've already stolen the best one. So uh, I'll move on from that, though. I think DeAndre Swift at 5,300 is interesting. He's at home. I think the Indy defense is probably overrated from a really soft early season schedule. He's going to be less than five percent owned, and we've seen his workload continue to increase throughout the season. After being basically an afterthought early, he's not a three-down back. We're still going to see Adrian Peterson, but for fifty-three hundred, he falls into that range where I want to find good value, and I agree with I agree on the Joe Mixon take as well. It doesn't seem like he's likely to play. Getting Giovanni Bernard value will kind of change the dynamic of the slate entirely. If we don't get that, or at least we'll talk about it right now, I think DeAndre Swift at fifty-three hundred because he's low owned, like he's fragile too, like Adrian Peterson could steal the one touchdown they get and you're kind of dusted but if he's going to be less than five percent owned and he has the potential to upgrade himself to like a very clearly one a as a running back and the only real pass catching threat they have i think deandre swift makes some sense he's 5300 and that's probably the key is that i just need to find some value on the slate
3: what about and i i want to get your guys opinions on these um if if tevin coleman remains on the ir and we know that Jeff Wilson is out. Raheem Mostert on the IR. Jermichael so Hasty has actually looked very efficient in his in his limited opportunities. Right, I don't think there's any denying that. Last week, I think it was odd that everyone completely forgot about Jeff Wilson. Uh, Adam Scherr mentioned that on Monday that like for, in a season long perspective, everyone just wrote him off, even though we've seen him get work before. He's gone too. I, if if tevin coleman isn't activated and, and doesn't play do we not have to consider hasty in a game which i was very surprised to see the total as high as it was uh, i thought it'd be around 48 or so it's at 54 kyle uh your thoughts on that backfield if coleman doesn't suit up
2: yeah so this is uh such an enigma of a backfield because like like i talked about it was uh it was supposed to be jarek mckinnon week and i think it's interesting we've seen like One Jarek McKinnon week, we've seen a week where he splits the role with Jeff Wilson and we've seen a week where they just like straight up bench him for rest purposes, according to Kyle Shanahan, but because he was so keen to rest him after like, I don't even think he recorded like a 20 carry game. They weren't like riding him like Derrick Henry. I think this is truly a split committee backfield, even though we've seen some Jarek McKinnon in the past, like. Michael Hasty, an unassuming prospect, but I don't really care. Kyle Shanahan has done amazing things with unassuming prospects. So, yeah, I do think he's worth considering. My only problem is that, like, he doesn't have a ton of pass catching upside. I don't think he gets the bulk of the, like, the running back runs. So not a huge, like, priority of mine. One guy we haven't talked about yet, uh, Carlos Hyde on the other side. He's in yeah. favor running back. It doesn't – I think Chris Carson though, is certainly not playing. The problem is Chris Carson – or, sorry, the problem is Carlos Hyde. Also dealing with an injury of his own, I would assume his ownership jumps up if he does end up being the starting back, but could be another way to get value. Right now we have him as low-owned. That probably changes if he does end up being active.
3: Matt, from Jermichael to LaMichael, P. Ryan for the Jets. uh, I got to ask you this because he's $300 north of the minimum. He's getting around 1% projected ownership right now. 20-point dogs here. Uh, The only reason I bring it up is he saw the snap count far in his favor last week for really the first time this season played 70% to Frank Gore's 28 appears to be grab grabbing some separation there in a pretty awful backfield for an awful team. Uh, what are your thoughts on him? If any,
1: Lafayette, you're going to have to pay me to roster jets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you said this. Cause I saw this on the show sheet. And I was like, what, <laughs> why? <laughs>
3: How to ask.
1: So, I, I mean, the thing with the jets is it's not even that LaMichael Pirine's is a bad play in a vacuum. It's just I have to spend a roster position that theoretically could have a lot more upside and dedicated to another back. So I just can't, even if he was zero dollars, I don't think I could roster LaMichael Pirine. Uh, that's not true. That's not true. That's an exaggeration, but you get my point.
3: I totally get your point. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I, I want nothing to do with him either. Really, Jameson Crowder, the only guy that, that stands out to me any week for that team who knows if he's even going to play and i don't have any interest in him this week but uh, ultimately he's the one player that you can get to from that team because everyone else from week to week is disappointed uh but listen i gotta bring up these guys that's what i, I that's my job kyle as a host <laughs> is to mention certain players that might make us all feel a little bit uncomfortable um, speaking of that where are you at on joe reed this week kyle I'm, jo- I'm Joe. Joe Reed. I'm, jo- I'm Joe. Reed. I was like, I was like, what in
2: the hell is going? On? I truly had no clue. I've never felt so blindsided by Joe Reed. I thought you were going to say like Le'Veon Bell, and I was like, I don't know how to approach Le'Veon Bell, and you threw me Joe Reed. Joe Reed. And it was like seeing, it was like seeing a curveball, and then the curveball hits you in the face.
3: <laughs> I've never felt so uncomfortable as I did last week, thinking Hunter Henry might finally get a red zone target, and then it goes to Joe Reed uh. and Donald Parham. Hey,
2: Donald Parham is good. All right. Don't you
3: slander Donald Parham. Right, all right. And then <laughs> Verne from Green. And then Guyton. My God, what a mess that was. What are you doing with the pivots and wide receiver, man?
2: Yeah, so I, I think at wide receiver, there are uh, some interesting – like, am I going to go back to Marquez Valdez-Scantling again, assuming – like, I don't think Alan Lazard has been activated yet. Like, up until last week, he was just jamming in these air yards, and it didn't happen last week, but it's quite difficult, like, when you have Devontae Adams absolutely obliterating with, like, a 40-plus percent target share. And I only say that because a really interesting roster construction is going to be paying up at quarterback – no one like no one appears to be doing that this week like our most most popular plays include las vegas cincinnati san francisco all rounding out the top four so i do think paying up for green bay who based on our top stacks tool has the number one chance of being the top stack and is going to be like three percent owned just aaron Rodgers. it would be very interesting to have expensive quarterback expensive Devonte adams then you get savings with marcus about scantling you're probably still only getting at most one of the expensive running backs it gives you a wildly unique roster construction and our top stacks tool particularly loves green bay so for that reason like i'm kind of backing myself into playing some Marquez valdes scantling again and like when he goes out and gets eight targets for like 200 air yards and catches one of them that is uh that you know that just is what it is mike williams i think kind of fills the same role where probably is a better talent but does make for like a good pivot Off of Keenan Allen, or just make a good stack with Justin Herbert as well. So two cheap guys who can go deep, and I think are at least worth considering. I don't absolutely uh, love either of them, but they fit with my roster construction, and more importantly, they're in stacks and leverage spots that I like a lot. So two guys that I like, not in love with, but are at least interesting. On the other side of the Green Bay game, another expensive guy not getting a ton of love, 7,200 for Adam Thielen. I'm just trying to find ways to get different without making just like brain dead plays, and maybe (laughs) Marcus Fattah scaling fits that bill. But these are a few guys that I've had some interest in.
3: All right, Matt, same question to you. Any uh, lower-owned pivots with our current iteration of ownership that you're looking for in Week 8, knowing that wide receiver just has a ton of options and is usually a very good place to get a little bit different uh, and and hit on some lower-owned guys that can win you tournaments?
1: Yeah, I don't hate the MVS call. I, I wish he would just stop earning win sprints and get a target once in a while. but. He's like the optimal leverage spot where you theoretically you're getting leverage off of Aaron Jones and Devonte Adams. So I really like that. I, w- I was very curious to see the Minnesota game, similar to what Kyle just mentioned, coming in with such depressed ownership. And you mentioned this at the top Loffy, that Dalvin cook, his ownership likely rises. If that's the case, I think we might even get more leverage with a guy like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. This green Bay pass defense is allowed 7.2 yards per attempt. That's slightly below average. So it can be, They can be beaten in the past game for sure. And Thielen specifically, 29.5% target share. Jefferson, nearly 22% target share. And that's excluding or including the games where he was just a part-time player at the beginning of the year. Even Irv Smith, like I flat out think Irv Smith is a better play than Harrison Bryant. I know the Harrison Bryant snap share was really high, but he only ran a route on about 56% of dropbacks. Irv Smith is cheaper than Harrison Bryant, and he was running a route on over 75%, had the same amount of targets as Harrison Bryant. So if we're just talking like straight leverage plays, I think Irv Smith is leveraged not only off another cheap tight end, but he's leveraged off their high-owned plays within the game.
3: Okay. What about you if we go over to you, Kyle, before we hit on stacks here? Talking about tight ends, lower-owned. We hit on it a little bit. I didn't want to go too far down that path until we got to pivots. It's ugly. Darren Waller at 5,600 is underpriced in a very favorable spot. It's going to push a lot of ownership his way. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are elite, so the same thing goes to them. Uh, But uh, you you guys talked about uh, Harrison Bryant, Irv Smith, and a few other guys. Is there anyone else at tight end that that needs to be discussed as a potential? Throw him in there, 2,500. Let's hope maybe he gets us you know eight nine fantasy points who knows what you need from him but he'll be on the field he'll run some routes and he'll open up salary for some of these other positions that just have studs throughout
2: yeah i don't know if there are any other like 20 2500 guys i like that earth smith call too but a few other cheap guys like trey burton was like the the cash game play a few weeks ago i think he's a fine enough play i don't think the game environment is the best but india detroit could feature some points he'll be like five percent owned I like, I want to get your guys' take on this. I'm starting to, as every time I look at our ownership, we have such low ownership on Pittsburgh versus Baltimore. And like two really good defenses, I get it, but two very talented quarterbacks as well. And no one is going to be playing this game. I know the total is falling, but I do think this is a, a slate where I could potentially get myself into these guys. For that reason, like Eric Ebron at 3900 is a, a fine enough, cheap-ish play. I still think Irv Smith, Harrison, Brian, Trey Burton are like all probably better plays. I just think this game in general is one worth targeting. So maybe Eric Ebron makes in some of like my Ben Roethlisberger lineups if I'm building
3: 150. I talked about it extensively last week that I thought Pittsburgh-Tennessee was going on their own. Yeah. Obviously, another game with Pittsburgh. Uh, Deontay Johnson at 4,200, dropped his third touchdown. I'm sure you guys saw that. Would have had a three-touchdown game, still a big one. Uh, and, and then A.J. Brown on the opposite side had a monster game. But from a stack standpoint, Ben Roethlisberger had a few picks, uh, two touchdowns dropped in the end zone. Nevertheless, there were still, and just to your point, Kyle, there were still two plays from that game that ended up having monster performances in Deontay uh, Johnson and, and and A.J. Brown. Now, the, only, the, the issue I have here with Baltimore and Pittsburgh is even if this game happens to pop off to some extent, we're still competing with other games that – have a much higher likelihood not only of popping off, but of going nuclear Uh, from something like green Bay to, to uh, Minnesota. I think Tennessee, Cincinnati, specifically, even, even San Francisco and Seattle has a 54 point total Cleveland uh, Vegas, 53 and a half. So just to name a few, that would be my only concern here is like, how much do you really want to stack this game? Or do you want to get pieces? Because if we're talking about getting pieces, I'm on board. When it comes to a a full out stack, I guess you could see like a Lamar Jackson, uh, Mark Andrews situation, but I don't know if I want to fully load up on both sides of this game. That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's probably a game that I look for one-offs. Dude, like, I have actually, like, I have the greatest play of the slate. I just found it. I I just scrolled, and I scrolled, and I scrolled, and I continued scrolling. There's, like, no way this whole – Deontay Johnson 5,500 is so cheap. (laughs) It's so cheap for a dude who, like, when he's healthy and finishes games, which he, like, almost finished his last game. Almost. Let's give him credit for finishing that last game. He almost finished. 15 targets in that game. Uh, 15 targets. 13 targets in Week 2. 10 targets in Week 1. Like, he's, like, Teen and Allen-esque in the way that, like, if you look at the games he actually plays – the targets are incredible and we haven't wow, he was 5%
3: understood. owned at $4,200 last week. against.
2: That was amazing. That was truly amazing. I thought he was going to be like the chalkiest of the chalk because it made so much sense. Like when he even comes close to finishing games, he gets double digit targets this week. They priced him up to Oh 55. Like this is such a, such an easy play. I think he is, not only in play is just a one-off, I do think it gives me a ton of interest in continuing to, yeah, probably more focus on this game as one-offs. But even when I don't play Ravens, he's just like one of the better values and no one is playing. This is like, there's no way. Like, but you said it last week, he was so cheap and no one played him still or, you know, 5%. So Deontay Johnson in a game that I have some interest in. And even if I don't have interest in the game, oh my God, so much Deontay Johnson.
3: I'm with you there for sure. Let's close it out with our favorite contrarian pivot, our stacks. Of the week, uh, last last week I was Pittsburgh, Tennessee, got close, right? But you can't compete with Seattle, Arizona. Uh, you couldn't compete with Cincinnati Cleveland. Again, still got some great pieces of that game that contributed to some really great lineups. But you need to be perfect sometimes, Matt. And uh, as it stands now, the highest projected QB ownership, which is how we try and gauge stacks, uh, Vegas. Uh, so Derek Carr, Kansas City at eleven and a half percent. Mahomes and then Cincinnati at ten percent. Those are the three in the double digits. Highest top stack probability. This is the top stack tool on dra- uh, on awesome awesome tool. You'll love it. Uh, Green Bay fifteen point six percent is the highest. That's a really high number for an eleven game slate. Kansas City at fifteen point three percent. Then it flattens out a lot. So who do you have here uh, as a potential contrarian game stack that we're looking at for Week Eight?
1: I actually like the other side of that Minnesota Green Bay game, especially if all of the ownership is going to be concentrated on the Green Bay side. And you're taking a little bit of a risk. You're going to have to go to Kirk Cousins. He has been somewhat efficient. He's fifth in overall yards per pass attempt, which is great. And I think that meshes well with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So going to those two plays. Like Thielen is going to give you direct leverage off of a Devonta Adams. If you're looking for someone who's more in that alpha range, Thielen is not Adams, but he still has a 29.5% target share 7,200 on DraftKings for him. Justin Jefferson has quietly worked his way into a phenomenal role with that offense as well. So if you'd like to take Justin Jefferson is kind of a middling price, play. I think he makes a lot of sense too. And if you're just punting Irv Smith makes sense. On the other side, you could use him in runbacks as your cheap tight end play, and he, he fits the mold of the tight ends we're trying to get in this point, the cheap tight ends that are just affording you the salary to jam in the studs at the top. So I really like the Minnesota side of this in a, in a really nice game environment.
3: Same question to you, Kyle. You're muted. You're muted. You're muted.
2: <laughs> I heard a... my my, uh my girlfriend's phone was buzzing and she wasn't in the room so i was like gotta mute and then i uh didn't didn't turn it back off so baltimore like you you talked me off of it now i'm immediately back on because i saw our ownership baltimore if we're gonna see lamar jackson finally not price prohibitive, which has kind of been the problem with him to start the season is that he wasn't playing like he was last year but he was priced like he was last year so at that point he becomes difficult to play now finally priced down below 8k if no one's going to be playing him in a game with like i love deontay johnson on the other side we saw Juju smith schuster come back to life Mark Andrews gives you great, le- like, it's just the ultimate leverage play, I think, because you're going to get low owned Lamar Jackson, low owned Mark Andrews. Don't think we'll see a ton of popularity on, like, a guy like Marquise Brown. I don't think it has a great chance of hitting because Marquise Brown is still, or uh, Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson is still expensive. He's not, like, he's not cheap any, by any means, but his prices come down. The problem is that the total in this game is low, but I do think anytime we can get low owned and relatively cheap lamar jackson like i'm just going to continue to go for that and the run back on the other side like deontay johnson is just so free so this will probably be one of my uh, my favorite games to be over the field on because it doesn't take a lot to be over the field on it
3: yeah for sure minnesota green bay is one for me uh someone mentioned alexander shutting down a receiver in chat it's possible i think it was sal mentioning yesterday on the first look show that he hasn't really faced any elite receivers yet maybe one but uh everyone's been hurt in the games they faced them but, yes, Green Bay's done a very good job of limiting them. I still think there's a lot to like there. And maybe you can mix it up with that run game if Cook and Jones are, are lesser owned than anticipated, which is where I really like the idea of going for this week. But it's, in terms of some lower-owned stacks, some lower-owned uh, game stacks here, I, I don't know if you need to go crazy. San Francisco, Seattle isn't going to be that insane. Um, Minnesota, Green Bay, there's just a lot of spots right now that I, I think we can get to without having to go completely off the wall, even the Cleveland side of that, uh, of that Las Vegas game, uh, and then Tennessee as sub-10%, sub-8% as a matter of fact. So uh, right now, if it holds, I don't think you need to go absolutely crazy, but getting away from Vegas, if that holds, uh, and Kyle mentioned this earlier in the show very much feels like it could be the play. So that'll do it for us. Thanks to you guys for watching. We appreciate you uh, all the time. We got almost 600 people in here on a, on a Wednesday early afternoon. So uh, much appreciated, much love. Hit that thumbs up and follow Matt at Matt underscore uh, Follow Kyle at Kyle Tweets here. Myself at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Of course, awesome at awesome underscore comp. And, hey, guys, if you if you wanted to listen to this show without going on the YouTube, um, check it out on the podcast network. Uh, any of them, any podcast platform, we're there. You can check it out there. I know some people prefer to do it that way. Maybe they're at work. Maybe they're the fat with the fat. They're doing something, and they can't be on YouTube. Check it out on the podcast platform. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Matchups Breakdown with Matt Savoca and myself. We'll see you back here soon on the NFL Strategy Show. Thanks for watching, guys.